this is a conspiracy. That's what this is. Just begging to course its way through your veins. Let's just for a moment speculate, shall we? You're into comic books, aren't you? I'm a nerd. But you do like comic books. Comic books aren't just for sad nerds anymore. Do you think we need one more? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Do you think we need one more? Objection, calls for speculation, move to strike. This is a bad idea. This is a bad idea! Alright, we'll get one more. <laughs> Spectator, a comic book podcast with Jake and Jesus. What's going on, Spectators, and welcome back to this, the 99th episode of Spectales. Call it luck, call it fate, or simply call it the mathematical result of adding the power of glasses to the power of beard. Spectales is one episode away from 100. Uh, I am your just as surprised as you host, Jake, along with my never surprised, all-knowing, all-bearded co-host, Jesus. What is going on, Jesus? You can be the only one to say you've seen 99 different versions of my beard. So, I mean, that's in itself, Jake. Pat yourself on the back. It's a lot to take in. I mean, I don't know how you can hold that all in your brain, but you know, 99 I, times. I thought maybe for, for episode 100, I haven't pitched this to you yet, but I thought maybe you could shave the beard for episode 100 to kind of celebrate. You know, the last time I tried to <laughs> shave this beard, it broke so many... Uh, razors and and clippers. I just it's not worth it, Jake. It's just not worth it from a from a from a what is it called carbon footprint standpoint. It's just not worth it. Yeah, yeah. The the juice is not worth the squeeze, is what you're saying. There uh, you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I am not trying to count my horses before they hatch or to to put the cart in front of the chicken here. Uh, episode ninety nine <laughs> should not be overlooked. Uh, in fact, I've got it on good authority that Spectales episode 99 will go down as one of the greatest episodes in the history of episodes. Uh, now, why is that, you might ask? Well, this week, we are lucky enough to be joined by an Eisner-winning writer whose work includes Birds of Prey, The Cull, Gem and the Holograms, West Coast Avengers, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Captain Marvel... <sighs> And many, many other titles. Uh, she also <laughs> happens to be the co-creator of Jeff the Land Shark. Uh, of course, I am speaking of the incredible Kelly Thompson. Kelly, welcome to the show. Kelly, are you on mute? Guys, I really wanted to start this off right. So I did a whole bit where I couldn't unclick the mute button. It went great, didn't it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that fantastic introduction. I was clicking on the wrong icon. There's too many icons on this screen. I'm old. Anyway, it's great to talk to you both. Thanks for having me. I had to mute it because I almost laughed in the intro. Oh, well, thanks. So I was like, oh, I, I better mute this because I'm cool and I know about <laughs> tools. And now here we are. All right. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. We try to get our guests to laugh uh, in, in the intro. That's one of the things we try to do. So you you you, you got around it, but that's okay. As long as we know <laughs> you were laughing behind that, that mute button. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, starting but this welcome. off with a good sense of humor is uh, is definitely the way to go. Uh, sorry, sorry to step on you. <laughs> no, that's fine. I just wanted to welcome her and, and just, you know, we're so excited. I'm I'm a huge uh, fan, a huge reader of a lot of the, 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 the work you've done, especially with Marvel, uh, but more recently with the Cole as well, like we had mentioned uh, off air. Um, we're really excited to have you on. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 
Kelly. So I obviously we brought up the Cole. Jesus mentioned it. We actually the Cole had uh, first showed up. My first um, knowledge of it, Jesus read it and brought it up during a uh, a recent pickups on our show. Uh, it was a few months ago. It was for at book one. Jesus had brought it up one week. And, uh, and one of his, re- it was one of his recommendations. He said, Hey, this is very unique. This is something different. Uh, it's got a great story. And of course I decided to go and, and read it and I've been reading it along. Uh, and we're certainly going to talk about it, but in doing more research now, uh, there are, there's a lot of titles where it's like not surprising. I remember, or I've read or things like that, uh, including Jim and the holograms. You were on that for a long time. Uh, I had known, about Jeff the Land Shark and things like that. But in doing a little bit more digging into what you've written over the years, something came up. You worked with a friend of the show, a, a, a longtime listener of the show as well. Uh, we met this man uh, a couple years ago where he randomly emailed us and said, Oh, yeah, you were talking about Creepy Magazine. I happen to own Creepy Magazine. And we were like, no, this is a catfishing email. You're trying to get our cell phone or you're trying to get our numbers, our social security <laughs> numbers or something. But Dan Braun uh, actually emailed us and he's been listening. And then he became a, a good friend. He came on the show once. Uh, and small world, you worked with Dan Braun on creepy number 20. Uh this yeah. is crazy. We talk about creepy. All we love yeah. creepy magazine, uh, but we've never outside of Dan. We've never actually had a creepy magazine writer on the show. So this is a milestone. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool. It's really funny you brought that up because I just wrote a, like a sentence about that short story today for a like a like a retrospective thing I was doing, not for anybody but myself. But I was just sort of taking stock of like ten years ago, blah blah blah. And because of that, I was like sort of writing some things down. And I wrote about that short I did because, you know, that was a thing where, you know, you got to remember that's one of the first published things out there for me. Yeah. So it was very early in my career. I was basically like trying not to go back to a day job. I was doing consulting work and I was trying to make it as a freelancer. And so my first published create, my first published work was going to be that was paid. I had done a couple, um, Like I participated in the womanthology that was like a charity book that they did. Like, so I did some stuff like that, but the first paid work I was doing was Heart in a Box, which was Dark Horse. It was a creator owned book with my collaborator, Meredith McLaren. She and I are doing Black Cloak now. And that, you know, it's like you get no money for that. And it takes, you know, Meredith's drawing it, coloring it, lettering it all herself. It takes years to do. So I'm like out there trying to hustle. I'm going to my editor, like, what can I get? He's like, well, I don't know. What can you do? I was like, dude, I can do anything. Give me, give me an assignment. And uh, yeah. So he was like, well, what about a creepy short? And I was like, absolutely. Let's do it. Um, And I love that little story. I don't think it's super original. I think it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty, um, especially for anyone who's a horror fan i think it treads pretty along pretty well traveled lines but i will say that the artist who oh my god it's been 10 years i cannot remember his name uh he nailed it uh we'll have to add an asterisk and uh pretend i said his name in post no i'm just kidding um uh ramon ramon maybe? uh yeah there was Ra- ramon remember. box b-a-c yes 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 Yes, that's it. He did uh he did an incredible job. 
And uh, I was really blown away by it was very like graphic and cool and fun. So it was a fun little uh, thing for me trying to pay my rent. But I do feel like I'm not a creepy master. So I feel like it's not like a it's not like as cool a get as it could have been, you know, I'm just, I was just a day player. (laughs) But still, but still it's fun. And, and it, it's interest. It's like I said, it's just this, you know, small world thing because we, like we have just been creepy magazine might get brought up. I I don't know if it's weekly, but damn near (laughs) bi-weekly, right? Hey Zeus, like it's just, whether it's, uh, I mean, we've used, we've speculated on Creepy Magazine. I am currently collecting one through 50 of Creepy Magazine, the original. Uh, but then we've had Dan on and we, it just comes up so often where we're just like, this is such underrated, good horror writing. It's so much fun. I, I think if you're into horror comics at all, I mean, I do think they're like, they're required reading. I mean, yeah, they, especially because they've been around like that, not exactly like that, but in format like that for so long. Like it's, you know, it's incredible. And, and yeah, they're still very accessible. They are, they are not yeah. super pricey. I mean, getting into number one and some of the other and the Frazetta covers of the early days can be slightly pricey. But anyway, I could not bring that up. Jesus, like, <laughs> like just when we came across it, it was yeah. just like, holy shit, this is yeah meant to be. <laughs> Yeah, horror is uh, horror is tough. Uh, it's a little easier maybe in shorter installments like that, like get in and get out with uh, with an idea or some very terrifying idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's I guess an interesting uh, little segue. Uh, Jake loves these whenever I ask about craft because I'm a craft guy. I don't know why I say that because I don't even know, but you know, I like I like asking those questions. Craft beers, craft so, anything. Jesus is, will really get yeah, just anything it. craft. You know, I'll, I'll devour it. <laughs> um, but um, so genres, right? Horror, it's hard one to depict on 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 in comics. So I guess what would be your favorite? Is it superheroes? Is it um, you know doing mysteries? Is it doing you know your own stuff on on the the image or the creator owned or even like the the space star wars stuff that you like to do that that you had some great great issues out there i mean i can't deny i like superheroes you know i was raised on them i'm an american kid and an american comics kid so you're pretty raised on it i do think probably i think superheroes can go under the sci-fi banner and i'm more comfortable under a broader sci-fi banner if only because it's just more interesting and there's more under there than just superheroes but i do think superheroes can cross over with that pretty well um but i would also say another genre that's my fave is detective stories um in a lot of different formats i mean i like a detective story i don't know if you remember um gosh years ago there was like a western space uh, that image did oh my god i've forgotten the creator's name that i really liked where it just had like all these alien creatures and stuff and it was on an alien planet but it was like a you know a local sheriff trying to solve a crime or whatever and then it was just it it seemed like aliens and stuff but it also felt like the american west like the way we think of those kind of western stories and so like i love to mash things up black cloak is sci-fi and detective detective story and it's a little bit like there's fantasy stuff in there too because there's magic and things so i like to really mash together genres i do think we were talking about this a little bit before i think horror is one of the hardest ones to pull off um i think i made a 
I made a joke about Tinian being, you know, he's so good. And to me, he's even better because he's succeeding in what I consider one of the hardest genres to do in comics. So yeah. he's, and he's really one of the best. So. And, and you mentioned uh, that you really liked uh, the deviant and we had uh, yes. Mr. Hickson on and we got to pick his brain about horror and kind of ask <laughs> that as well. To talk to. Yeah. Hickson is uh, so good. And they together, I mean, they made me do <laughs> in the issue one. I've only read issue one. I'm sorry. I'm a little behind. Um, but I've only read issue one, but uh, they got me to gasp out loud <laughs> And like it, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even like a dark reveal thing. It was more about, it's that panel with him from issue one when he's a kid and he's like, a boy. Like, I mean, just, I, it was so, the way he got to the revelation, it was just so organic and it felt natural, but he also surprised me by it, which is really hard to do. I, I was sort of joking the other day that, um, I feel like, even though I'm very not, you know, like anyone who went to art school, I went through like an experimental phase and then I grew out of that and I'm like, fuck experimental. I just want a narrative. I want a narrative that makes me feel something, you know, that makes me laugh, that makes me cry, that makes me care, like all of that. I want to be emotionally engaged and experimental stuff, though worthwhile and often powerful, typically does not engage my emotions in that same way. But I have been joking that my like media choices are becoming a bit chaotic because, you know, when you're a storyteller for a living, you spend all your time trying to break down how something works, why it works, why this person made those choices. And so I'm not some genius who can't be surprised by a plot twist, but I'm trying to get there first because I can't really turn my brain off. And if I can't get there before you, I'm so freaking excited i if you can surprise me these days it's truly i'm chasing it like heroin or something because i just you know everything is so we've just seen it all before and so when i don't know what you're gonna do it's really exciting but i think even more powerful than that is like what james can do in the deviant where i know what you're doing and you still got me you i saw all the setups and you still through the power of like beautiful art and the perfect words got me to really feel something and like be shocked by something. And I, I just think that's master class. Uh, there's no disagreement. I mean, yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's no, I mean, we, we feel the same way just as, as plebes and, and casuals, you know, like we, it just does so many cool stuff. It reminds me of mine hunter and things of that nature. But you, you mentioned something, you mentioned something about like, you can't, you know, turn, shut your brain off. And, and it, it made me think of uh, behind, uh, what is it, Beneath the Trees, Jake? Yeah, Beneath uh, the Trees Where Nobody Sees, which is I, I, another it, end of the year knockout. It, I don't know if you've had a chance to, or if that's come I, across here. I, I did read that. I read the first, I read the first issue, yeah. Okay, and that one to me, um, and, and again, this is not any slide or anything. It's, it's still great, but. That one, the, the, the twist is that it's done in the, the artwork. So it's more like the concept itself overall versus the, the, the writing, I guess, or the twists, if you will. Yeah. Um, I thought that doesn't work as well to me. I, no shade on the book. I thought it was a good book. I thought it's getting a lot of really interesting, 
attention. And I think that's great. I think anytime people are trying to do something a little different and play with the form, like, or, you know, upset expectations, like having cuddly bears, you know, cartoon characters who are engaging in human behavior, like things like that. I'm always up for that stuff. But I do tend to agree with you, Jesus. I think that to me, it's just, it just seems like a normal horror story and the trick is in we've reskinned it as these cartoon characters and there's nothing wrong with that but that's not super exciting to me um like if we're talking about a thing that thrills me like that's cool i mean i'm into it i i think people should do it like there's a long cool tradition of doing things like that in comics that goes very well um and I and I'm also excited to see people still doing it because you know you feel like that's a that's a thing people try for a while and then maybe they sort of back off it or whatever. So it's exciting to see people still trying that that kind of thing and playing with the form like that. But yeah, I, I think when I'm talking about something like the Deviant, I'm talking about something that's a lot deeper, like that's more layered. And that in the case of James, who I know a little bit, but but not a lot. We're not BFFs or anything. You know, I think he's talked a lot about how that stuff, how some of that stuff in the deviant connects to his growing up and like, you know, ideas that formed him and shaped him. And especially because James is so is pretty great and a pretty like good person. Like it's nice to see him talking about like really dark shit and not being afraid of it and being like, this is how this stuff happens to people. You know, like I, I think it's really fascinating. That said, I've only read issue one, so maybe everything I said is bullshit because two and three <laughs> undid it. I don't know. It's still very good, regardless. <laughs> I I really need to stop and say that I appreciate Kelly. I appreciate you bringing opinions and uh, and backing them up. It's uh, it's something that we there there are times within comics, especially with something beneath the trees where no uh, where nobody sees. I mean, that, that book was getting applauded. I don't, I don't, you might be the first person I've met that actually have said, yeah, it was all right. Uh, Jesus <laughs> certainly, his opinion, um, is it, it, what he said it on the show. We talked about it a lot when we, we talked about the book, uh, heavily in November, I believe it was, um, mm-hmm. might've been December, but, but the thing was, is, uh, yeah, the opinion is great. You talked earlier. We didn't. That, we didn't even get it recorded uh, when you flat out said that you absolutely hated uh, both it uh, part one and part two. Uh, <laughs> Jake's trying to get me killed. Everyone, I just want you to know. Just get it out there that there's been a hit put out on me, and that didn't happen. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I, I don't want to come hard at it, especially because I haven't read the incredibly dense source material and knowing what's in some of that i'm unlikely to uh which is not a judgment call it's just sometimes you just know a thing is not for you and i know because of some of the things that happened in that book it is not for me uh so but i was disappointed i was excited i like to get excited about a big horror movie that everyone's excited about that has tons of my favorite actors in it and very talented young people and so yeah i was into the hype just like everyone else and my boyfriend and i went to both movies in the theater and both times i was honestly incredibly disappointed like both times i felt like they were masterful at tension 
at creating tension, but then they had almost nothing to back it up every time. And again, I'm a little ignorant here because I don't have the source material locked down in my brain, but my belief is that the source material is incredibly terrifying and dense and complicated. And so it seems like there should have been plenty there other than jump scares, which is what it they built it, to me that genre. And I'm seeing a lot of this now it builds up to like sometimes incredible tension. And then the, instead of really telling a story, the tension release is just a scary thing runs at you and screams at you. And then that scene's over and maybe you wake up in an abandoned house later, or maybe you run out the front door or whatever it is, but like, that's over then. And I'm like, why was the build to this that like, I, it just, it's just, it's not, I can't say it's not a criticism because it is, but it's just not for me. It's some people that's their favorite fucking thing. And that's fine. But that's not for me. I prefer something like, what's a horror movie that got it totally right for me? Oh, you're gonna Barbarian, say an, you're. Oh, did you say Barbarian? Okay. Barbarian. I was gonna. So I was gonna say you're gonna say an Ari Aster film. But yes, go, yeah, Barbarian. Well, that's. I mean, those are great. Those are excellent. <laughs> I would say yes to all of those. But like Barbarian to me is incredible because it was terrifying it knew how to build tension and it also in the middle of the movie threw away everything it had built up everything all the terror i felt i mean i was so tense when people were walking into that basement thing i mean i just i almost wanted to like scream in the quiet house because the tension was just so much for me and then they just threw it away for a smash cut to Justin Long being an LA asshole driving on the freeway <laughs> in like a Malibu sunshine. And that is the definition of confidence because I saw that happen and I laughed and I was laughing and I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, but they've ruined this movie. Like there's no way, like I feel fine now. They took 45 minutes to an hour, whatever it is of all that I felt. And they just threw it away. And you know what? They got it back immediately as soon as he went in that house and so even though he was being all jokey with it it was you knew what was gonna happen you knew what was gonna happen it was masterful so to me that is more what i'm looking for um but the ariaster would be an excellent you know there's no there's very little of a scary thing jumping out at you in that it's about something else and that's just more my more my speed yeah. Um, but it, I think the reason we started talking about this offline was because I was saying, we were saying that it's so hard in comics because you don't even have those out. Like you jump can't even really do a jump scare. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't exist. You can't pull that out of a hat. And even Barbarian wants a jump scare. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with jump scares. I just don't want the whole thing to be built around that. You know, I don't want that to be what we're le- landing at. It's a tool in the toolbox, yeah. right? It's, it's a tool in the yeah. toolbox. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, that, that brings me. And this is the last one, Jake, because I know I know how you have the craft <laughs> questions and you're like taking them all. That's, that's enough. That's hey, enough. I, I, I got to I got to press a button over here. Hey, Zeus, that gets us yeah. into that first segment. Hey, I, I'm hold, itching. Hold on. Yeah, give me give me a minute. Give me a minute, Jake. Just one. Uh, no, but you, you've mentioned before. And it, it was really interesting to me because it's true. And, and, you know, I love comics. I've been reading for a very long time. I'm not the most, like the biggest reader you've probably seen or met or anything, but I do read a lot. And I love comics because of the medium that it is and what it allows you to do as a reader and how to digest it, right? Like you can read it slow, you can read it fast, you can go back, you can skip ahead if you want. Like you can do all kinds of stuff that you can do with 
you know, movies or TV. You, have, you can't pause a movie, right? If you're in a theater, things like things of that nature, right? And in the novel, you have to do the heavy lifting from the imagination standpoint, things, things like that. Yeah. And you mentioned that. And you mentioned how, you know, sometimes you have to slow down, read the reading between the gutters, basically. And is that something, I guess, too, that that horror writing horror comics has to stretch even more? You know, when you're writing and you see that and, and you see like people getting upset or, or I, I don't know if you do read or don't or whatever of, of people, but some people are upset because they don't they don't trust you like okay sacrifice sacrificers i was telling jake i love sacrificers is rick Remender, but he he put out something ahead of time saying i'm going to do this my way it's not going to be like how you expect it to be it's going to be slow a slow burn and i really enjoy the sacrifices right it's my it's my pull list i really like it but i trust him to do it right like and so the trust sometimes isn't there so do you think about that when you write do you think about like okay well i, I gotta do this because they're gonna say that or, or they're not, they're not going to slow down enough. Yeah, I do think about it and I wish I didn't. I, I'm a little more engaged with the readers than I maybe should be. And part of that is because I've found it very helpful sometimes. Like it's, it's an, it's an incredibly intense knowledge base. Like, you know, I'm, I, I, Rogue is one of my favorite characters and I know so much about Rogue. Uh, there are so many people that know more about Rogue than I do. And this is my job. Like people make it their whole life. So I'm not, I'm not cavalier about when someone's like, I can't believe she did this when blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, well, what's blah, 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 blah. What? I don't know about that. And so you go dig it up and you go, holy shit, they're right. Like, not that I shouldn't have done it, but like, I didn't know this and I would have done it differently if I'd known that. Like, you can't have an encyclopedia knowledge and also do this job. Like, I'm sorry to say it doesn't pay enough to just write one comic a month and like, make sure you know every single thing that's ever happened to that character. So, you know, you're just sort of doing your best. And I think the fan base is very helpful in that way but there is a like i don't know there's like a point of no return where it's just like i don't know you guys either trust me or don't and i can't argue with you about it on social media anymore like i i can't you know tom tom king said a thing years ago about i put it on the page and if it's and if i'm not gonna explain it beyond what's on the page and i don't know if i'll ever get there but i would like to be that writer I would like to be like, listen, whether you like it or hate it, uh, I put everything I had to say about it on that page. And so did the cre other creators with me. And that's the end of it. Either you like it or you don't, or you understood it or you don't. I don't know. But it is a there is a really terrible trend where we went from social media giving you access to people that you never would have had access to, to just wanting to yell at them all the time because you're upset about things corporations are doing. And like, you know, sometimes, sometimes you are really mad at that person. You didn't like that specific choice. And if you, if we all, if we all chased it down, yes, it was Kelly Thompson who made that choice and did that thing. And so, yeah, you're right to be angry at Kelly Thompson, but most of the stuff that comes at me angrily, I'm barely a fact factor in it you know so it's just it's in it and it gets it gets hard it gets hard to do a thing but then you feel bad about complaining about it because it's a dream job that's that i am delighted to have and that so many people want you know um 
So it's a tricky thing to figure out how much to listen and how much to not. Um, I do think, I do think the thing that makes me the maddest or the most frustrated, mad isn't the right word, but frustrated is when I feel like I should have earned readers trust and I can see that I haven't, like they're not, they don't, they're not caring. They're like, well, they did this wrong this last issue. I was like, well, did I, or is that part three of a six part arc? Like, you know, like, can we just wait until it's out first, man? Like I did have a real, I got real mad because people were yelling at me about the, um, the new birds of prey cover. And I just didn't have the energy to fight with them about it. It's like, all they were yelling at me about was that they wanted Barbara Gordon in the book. So now she's on the cover, but they're mad. She's in the suit. And I just, like, you don't know what's inside that comic yet. I just can't have this fight with you about a comic that isn't even out yet. Like, I'm just, I'm over it. So, I mean, listen, a lot of us have been dialing back our social media for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. including this one. And, you know, it's come for me to, I find I'm engaging much more in the Substack these days. Um, I've got a slow start this year <clears throat> with some deadlines, but the Substack has allowed me to talk about process and like, to sort of control the conversation a little more so that you end up you know, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time when I'm talking about people, um, when I'm talking with people who are actually engaged in a non sort of gotcha journalism kind of fan thing that happens, you know? So it's a little tricky though, for sure. That, that's, uh, I'm sorry, Jake, I know you want that press that button, but you You're know, she mentioned uh, the journalism part, you know, you came from journalism, right? You were at, at CBR and you did some, some, um, reviews and things of that nature it is go ahead well just i'm sorry i just i wouldn't call myself a journalist by any stretch (laughs) imagine (laughs) it like that's a whole job that like is actually important and interesting but yes i did i wrote reviews and i did like op-eds and stuff for sure yeah sorry no no that's fine and and that thank you for clarifying i just you know being on the other side of that right like i don't know looking back did did that help you to where you're at now because you helped, can see that it helped me. It definitely helped me learn to write comics. Uh, you know, I did go to SCAD. I went to school for anyone who's listening and SCAD is great and you'll have a really great time. It will also cost a lot of money and there isn't a lot of money in this job. FYI, unless your couple of your lottery tickets come through. So choose wisely, but yeah, you can, uh, you can pretty much figure out how to write comics just by writing reviews of comics and they don't have to be posted publicly. Take comics and break down why they work, what if they're good or bad, and why they're good or bad. And that's half the job. Um, and then training, helping to train yourself, writing a lot, and training yourself into the good behaviors and not the bad behaviors that you found is, is, is basically all there is to it. I mean, I learned a lot at SCAD, but I learned even more writing reviews and like writing op-eds and thinking critically about comics in that way. Um, I think my only, and it did help as far as like, like writing reviews and I mean, people knew my name a little bit from she has no head because it got pretty controversial and popular there for a while, but I met more editors and other creators through doing a podcast. And so that was when I really started to make some inroads with some editors and stuff uh, that helped open some doors. But I would say my biggest regret is I think because of how I approach my reviews, like I just said, where looking, is it good or bad and why? And like really taking a critical approach like that. Most of my reviews, I feel stand up pretty well. 
I always feel like I'm a little too harsh. If I look at an old one, I'm like, hmm. even if the score feels right, I'm always like, did I have to be so mean? And I think that's just because I, you know, once you've seen how the sausage is made, once you've seen all the people who are trying really hard to make books every day, you just feel a little more soft hearted about it. And you just want to give people a little bit of a, you know, okay. All right. You, you, this is pretty good. Good job. I mean, it's hard to even make a bad book. I got to be honest with you. As someone who had their first, got their hands dirty this year with Creator Own, where I was like doing everything except for the art and the lettering, it got a lot. It was a lot. And it's hard to make even a mediocre book, even a bad book. So I try to be a little more generous in what people are able to accomplish because accomplishing anything is difficult. I got to be honest. Yeah, especially nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah, not getting easier. For some reason, it's not getting easier. <laughs> I totally agree. I had a friend who, yeah, effectively said this, uh, had the same phrase, right? Like, uh, you know, whatever your your project is, whatever you're doing, it is you are working almost it, it potentially just as hard to make it, whether it it ends bad or good, and it's it's yes. just as hard to do it, right? The difficulty, the 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 process is it's all like you know i i you could say that somebody who makes something bad maybe took some shortcuts that the person who made something good the same thing but but the thing is is the process is still the same and even if it comes out yeah poorly or mediocre yeah. or whatever it yeah. was still a heavy lift yeah for for somebody i think the yeah i think the thing that's terrifying is while there are a million mistakes or brilliant things you can do to for things to go wrong or for things to go right you could also do everything basically fine and it could just not work out and that's terrifying and honestly you could also and i say this as i break my arm patting myself on the back <laughs> you could do two really great books like black cloak and the coal and they could be critically well received and they could do well and i could be on a podcast talking to you about them because people really like them and that's great but financially those did not do well enough for my bottom line for 2023 and that puts their future in jeopardy that puts my future in jeopardy so like even when you do it well this is a tough fucking business man like i you know i i definitely i didn't think it was going to be easy this year to do it a little differently with with the creator owned sort of marvel dc hybrid that i had for my workload this year but uh, you know, I did not expect it to be that hard and I did expect to be more financially successful, but it's a tough market right now. There's so many good books. It's oversaturated, but like, who wants to say, what are you going to cut back? Like, I do think it would be better for everyone, the fans, the readers, the creators, everybody, if we cut books back, but what are you going to cut back? Like what the incredible new creator owned that someone's trying to launch or, you know, you're going to cut the legs off from Kickstarter with gets a lot of things that can't make it in big two, you know, or I, I just, it's uh, I don't know what the solution is. I don't think anyone knows, you know, if we had solutions to the problems that can't plague comics, like I think we would have, we would have solved some of those by now. And it's hard because yeah. poll lists are long, right? Like that's, um, yeah. you know, I, I made the grave mistake of not mentioning Black Cloak in the introduction than, that I did for you. And the funny thing was, is like, I was going off the top of the dome as far as the things I knew and read or things like that. <laughs> I, and I will be the first to admit, I have not read Black Clo Cloak. Uh, and even though the volume one dropped uh, last September, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah. it, that's something Listen, but that, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. Like, but that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, There's so hard much to read stuff. It like, can't be, you know, like, yeah. But it's like it feels like only like absolute complete completionists, like people who are like, oh, I buy everything Kelly Thompson writes. Like, it feels like those are the only people who could really keep up with how much you have to write in this industry to like make a good living and like be one of the top people doing this. Like, so it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, totally. But you know, we love it. It's again, I feel like I'm complaining so much. I love it. I, I worked really hard to get this job. I don't want it to go away. I just, it'd be nice if it was a little easier um, or a little more lucrative, like, because it would just, you know, I don't like to complain about money all the time, but I just think the being more lucrative gives you just different choices about how you're going to continue things. Like people get sick of miniseries. Well, there's a reason you do a miniseries. It's because that's what you can afford to do with your initial budgeting, you know? And, uh, but then the fate of your book is a question mark because, you know, was that, Oh, the audience, it was right on the line for us doing more. Great. <laughs> Let's roll the dice and see how it goes next time. <laughs> it's interesting because you wonder how much um, kind of the, as Jesus loves to say, how the sausage is made. Uh, but the idea <laughs> or behind the behind the curtain, revealing or, or discussing more of that and publicly talking about more of it. And I, I, I completely understand. I don't consider anything you're saying. Uh, complaining or anything like that, but it it is talking about the struggles, the reality of the comic world, which we could get into the the politics and the and the all of those things. And I, I see Hazel Jesus, he's got a hundred questions right now. But I'm telling yeah. you, Jesus, yeah, if I, we it, it it, it's a, it's going to be a madhouse here if we don't get to the first segment. No, we're going to get an hour in, and Kelly's going to be like, "Hey, you guys only I, asked me for an I, hour. This worth three I'll hours." Hold off. <laughs> I'll hold off on asking about Rogue One. I'll hold off on asking about how the sausage is made. Fine, Jake. Fine, go ahead. But I, 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 for all of you listeners out there who didn't click off the off button when you heard that Kelly hated the first and second It movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. I, listen, I'm not even. I the first one to me was just epic popcorn movie is what I the way I would describe it. Um, it's, it's mm-hmm. popcorn though, but not a lot of staying power as far as like, you're not taking it home with you yeah. and unpacking it while you're trying to fall asleep where barbarian is yeah. definitely that movie. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I I'm, I'm just gonna, I may only mention it one or two more times. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've raised some definite questions about your dreams if you're trying to watch Barbarian while you're falling asleep. These are bad choices, Jake. Make different ones. Sometimes there's only one time and place you can watch a movie like that when you have a wife and kids. Uh, uh, your wife and kids don't love Barbarian? What's wrong with that? No, my nine-year-old might enjoy it, but I can tell you everybody else in the house would not. Yeah. Uh so, so I, I, I've been teasing it. Everybody knows it. I've got a button over here I need to press to take us into that first segment. Uh, so without further ado, I, I really, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Recent pickups. That's right. 40 minutes into this episode, we are getting to recent pickups. <laughs> This is the segment where we're going to pretty fancy button. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, liked it. I, mean, that, I liked what happened. That one has a lot of polish <laughs> on it. I keep it really clean. Uh, <laughs> this is the segment where we're going to talk about something we recently read or picked up. Hey Zeus, you traditionally kick us off. So uh, I'm going to let you do it. All right, man. Uh, I'm going to start talking about, I'm just going to, ha- I just have one book today. Um, it's 
something that's near and dear to my heart <laughs> as as it can be, I guess. My favorite character, Spider-Man. And there's a very, very hot book right now that, I mean, you can't look anywhere online without somebody talking about it, whether it's, you know, excitement for the future, whether it's excitement because of speculation and difficult to get in all the cool different covers that you can get of it. Um, and different ones cost different amounts, you know, as variants do. Um, I'm talking about none other than Ultimate Spider-Man number one by Mr. Uh, Hickman. Hickman again. So there goes Hickman again. I mean, I'm saying his He's name as much as I'm now. saying yeah. creepy. Yeah, the creepy uh, that we talk about. So um, I, I'm holding here a number one with the variant, uh, which... This is a connecting variant. You can see an arm right there oh, with it. number two and number three. Um, and it's just kind of a, almost like a reboot or reset of the ultimate universe or the Spider-Man universe. Very different. Um, Uncle Ben doesn't, doesn't die. Uh, he gets married. He has kids. I'm not, I don't think I'm, I'm um, spoilers spoiling too much, spoiling too much it. of it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's on the cover. I mean, what, what are you going to say? I mean, all right. What are you going to do That's a fair point. Fair point. They put it on the cover. There can't be a spoiler <laughs> if it's on the cover. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm sure I did spoil it. I'm sorry, guys. But by this time, it's already been out three weeks whenever you guys are listening yeah, to this. Yeah, only so- losers like Jake haven't read it. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you you will read it by the time it comes out, right? So there you go. Even even you. <laughs> even even Jake, me. You already read it. I actually have heard <laughs> a lot of positive things. My, it, my, the, my LCS owner that I go into... Uh, I always ask him, I was just like, yeah, what's, what's good this week or what's good or whatever, if it's been a few weeks. And the first thing he said was ultimate Spider-Man is actually really good. And he, he's not yeah. a huge, he hasn't been supporting a lot of Spider-Man stuff. Cause he just hasn't been liking the writing. And this, he just like, I, he was like waiting for me at the door to tell me, I don't know why, uh, but it, yeah, but that's what it felt like. And he was just like, this is a good book. I was like, all right, all right. It's a good no. book. Hey man, I, mean, I think he's right on it. Um, I think, like Kelly mentioned, like there's some things that, that Hickman does that I I always enjoy in in the nuance of it. Like there, there's a there's a couple of scenes with J Jonah Jameson and Ben Parker, and then also J Jonah Jameson and, and Peter. That's just really cool, really like different to see because you don't see those characters in that light. So just really reinforcing the characters and how different they are in this universe, but also really cool at the same time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely recommend it. Um, I mean, obviously Spider-Man, it's on my pull list. Um, Hickman on my pull list. So uh, definitely pick Marco it up. Cicchetto should be Marco, on everyone's pull list. Isn't that uh, who draws it? Marco Cicchetto? I thought he had one of the variants, but I'm pretty sure. I think it's uh, Cicchetto on interiors. I could be wrong, but I, I've only, it, it, I haven't read it. I've only seen, pages but it looked like chichetto to me who i love so yeah i mean the the artwork on it too and, and you know we we talk about it um sorry i'm opening it up but we talk about the artwork and how you know sometimes it, it just does enough but this artwork to me i mean let's see i'm trying to look for okay not not the not the ghostwriter but like jameson oh yeah right like yeah, and that's then, definitely chichetto. Yeah. yeah. And then I think which one else did I like? I liked um, this guy. 
who's a I mean that's a that's <laughs> panel, but it's uh and then that guy right there, which is pretty dope. Um that's a so good, really, that's really awesome. cool artwork. Yeah, on the interiors. Um so yeah, for sure. Pick it up if you haven't picked it up. I recommend it. Uh I think it's good. I'm excited about where it's going, how different it is. The the cliffhanger, um really cool, really different, really interesting. Again, I don't want to spoil it, but I, I definitely think it, there's a lot there. Um, and it, it's the buzz it has, the heat it has right now is, is well-deserved. Um, so pick it up and enjoy the ultimate Spider-Man number one. Uh, and I can't wait to read the rest of it. So Well, now you've spoiled that there is a cliffhanger at the end. I mean, it's not, it's not often that comics a have a cliffhanger. There's, no spo- there's always a cliffhanger. <laughs> All right. Very nice. Very good uh, recent pickup. I've already been informed that it's a great book by damn near everybody I've talked to. So uh, it sounds like I'm going to have to get my hands on a a copy of it and and give it a read. And which is funny because the only Marvel that I'm currently reading, actively reading right now has been the Hulk. Um, And I kind of jump in and out Mm -hmm. of some other stuff. Uh, Sorry, Kelly. Uh, and mostly for the, the horror, I, I tend to lean into the horror stuff. That's, that's where my, my bread is buttered. Um, but yeah, so I, I will have to go and, and definitely look into it. Now, Kelly, uh, you are next up on the recent pickups list. What, what do you got? I actually have a really great pick, but first I want to say something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that, uh, Marco Cicchetto drew my, uh, our Phasma miniseries. And I was so incredibly lucky because not only is he just great in general, but after we had signed on and said, yes, we were told that we couldn't show her face. And my heart immediately sunk. And I was like, what? It's like, how are we going to pull this off? And I think that that was the same message when they were like, you can't show her face and we don't want to be in her head. And I was like, how the, to do that but when you've got marco Cicchetto, you can figure it out like that's there you know i feel like jordan and heather looked at me and they're like this is why we gave you marco Cicchetto." <laughs> i was like okay thank god because i'm gonna need him and uh he killed it on that thing anyway all right i have an amazing pick it's a new series oh my god i didn't get the publisher it's the displaced it's by ed brisson uh luca casa Leod- Languida, Casa Languida, I think. Uh, D. Kanif, Hassan Osman El Hau on uh, lettering. It's um, it's debuting February 14th is the first issue. It's like, um, I don't know if you want to quantify it. The, the first, I guess it's probably like sci-fi mystery series, maybe, probably horror also. Um, the first episode or the first episode, the first issue has like an incredible hook. Uh, I'm a big fan of Ed Brisson. He does, he's a friend of mine, but he does crime really well. He does this kind of story very well. And I just, I thought it was awesome and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm not much into the speculator stuff as far as like knowing, but I do know in this case, in addition to a very cool cover by, I think the, the interior artist, um, is it uh, Casaluita? Yep. It's there's also an incredible, um, I thought really interesting, especially given the subject matter, Chip Zdarsky variant. That's oh. pretty rare, I think. <laughs> um, so yeah. that's yeah. a thing I know. <laughs> well, I, I googled it. It looks like it's Boom Studios. 
Um, yes, boom, you're right. And yeah, absolutely. Hey, Zeus, definitely put this on your 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 Google list or your to look up list. Uh, there's yeah, a already, there's, already, they've got already. some samples on it. Um, interestingly enough, one of the the page samples, I don't know what uh, it looks like. It's from book number one, but there's some. Um, there's a there's a shot of like it looks like a guy in a bus and he's he's going to be pulling out. Uh, the the thing that is crazy is ever since we talked to Joshua Hickson about the way he does eyes, mm-hmm. uh, it, it like now every time I'm seeing how other artists like capture <laughs> eyes, and in this there's it there's never any like the eyes are there's always a shadowing or there's something and and this is very similar uh, but in its own way and the artwork is stunning it looks awesome so uh, yeah yeah it's really cool that looks awesome and you've already read the first issue kelly i read the first issue yeah it's uh it's great i really loved it like i knew i was i knew i was interested in it because ed had been talking about what it was and i knew some of the ideas in it but you know you never know between that hey that's a really good idea and like is the first issue a slam dunk and it is it's really like my brain is just racing it. Like even though he's talked to me about it, and so I know some of the stuff, I still can't help but be like, "Well, what's it? What is it? What's happening? Why is it like that?" You know. Yeah. So, which is always a good sort of. Um, I wouldn't necessarily quantify it as this, but you know, big dumb object stories in sci-fi where there's a portal or a thing or a rock or a whatever that you know is the thing that things center around. Uh, I don't know that you'd call this exactly that, but it's got some of that energy, which I always love. So Nice. Well, uh, I'm certainly putting it on uh, my pull list. It, it does, from the art and just the ba- the brief description, or not brief, they have a lot of information actually, but what I've read briefly on Boom's website, this this looks like it's up my alley. And, and, and Jesus, this certainly uh, strikes me as something that you would enjoy as well. Our, our opinions rarely disagree. Uh, in, in that in that regard, uh, yeah, I should have said it's basically about a town that disappears and all the people in it, and like, what is that about? Why did it? And like, what's happening as a result of that? It's really interesting. Well, we tend to try yeah. to avoid spoilers on this show, Kelly. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it happens right away. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, no, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I, Kelly, I've got a, a recent pickup, uh, for myself that I, it, you probably have heard of it. I don't know. Uh, it's also possible that you've even read it. Uh, I know Jesus has read it because he's technically brought it up already, uh, once on this show. Uh, so I went back and revisited the first four books of this series as the fifth one is not quite out yet. It, it drops, uh, early next month in February. Uh, I read, uh, all the way through once again, the cull. Uh, and, uh, and I gotta admit this, it really has me genuinely like upset. Like I read it to get the the fourth (laughs) issue. I am upset that I don't know the ending. And, uh, once again, I I will, uh, I, I will throw out there or admit that, um, I I've said this before with, with some other writers that we've talked to before the series is closed. Um, I don't know how you're going to just wrap this up. I don't know how you're going to finish it in one more issue. <laughs> and I also am kind of like, I don't know why I want more of this stuff, right? Like you could sell yeah. me more books, Kelly. I'll buy more books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've, 
we'd love i mean amazing pick jake i approve um certainly uh i am i think the question mark on the call is still the question mark on the call because you know that painted art that maddie does we all know it's Mm -hmm. absolutely spectacular it's time consuming yeah um so you know you can't put out five issues every two years that's not really a way to go so we're talking about some ideas about how to keep it going um we have some really good ones that i'm excited about but it's still a little bit of a question mark it's being figured out sort of as we speak i will say for people who either are worried about issue five or or (laughs) i don't know um i think I think a ton happens in issue five. It's overly long. I think it's 25 or 26 pages because we needed it. A ton happens, both action and emotional stuff and a couple twists in there. Um, but you know, I hope at the end of the issue, people go, Oh my God. And then they go, no, (laughs) (laughs) because they want more. I mean, that's, that's what we're driving for. So I think there are some good twists in there that I hope will leave people wanting more, but you know, anyone like my mom who isn't listening or reading comics. So hopefully we're (laughs) safe. Um, you know, she likes things really tied up neatly. She likes to know that everyone, you know, died happily safely and quietly in their beds and were respectfully Mm. buried and had a good funeral like she (laughs) likes it tied up in a bow that's not you know you're you're not getting anything tied up here nice and neat so if that's your expectation you will be disappointed if you're looking for a crazy story that's going to leave you wanting more but that could be the end then i think you know you'll be pretty satisfied um I bumped into this fan and by bumped in, I mean, talked to online, uh, <laughs> a fan that was talking about the call and how much they loved it, but they thought it was over with four. Oh, and it honestly blew my mind that you could think it could be over at four and not be angry with me, yeah. even I, though he was not, he was very nice. <laughs> I, I would have been angry with you. I would have come. Calling yeah. I was like, hey, I was like, my God. <laughs> I was like, you thought I'd end it that way? I was like, no. I was like, God, I think it says to be continued on the last page, I hope. Uh, but yeah, so it's the na- the last issue is uh, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. Uh, I am looking forward yeah, so- to it. Uh, and, and Jesus, I promise I'm going to let you get in on the, the question. I, I, I wanted to uh, end with, at least on in this particular comment, that for me, it's while the, the characters and uh, I, I would apologize for spoilers, but honestly, the books have been out for long enough. Yeah. It's, it's one of those yeah. scenarios where I, I love the characters and how they have developed and, and specifically how they have developed the, I, I don't know if you're calling them the mutations or how they have changed since they came, were in the, the world, which mm-hmm. I, I, I also don't know what the name of that world is, but I would say, while I'm invested in the characters and what happens to them, you could just take me back to the world, the the the, par- yeah, the d- different dimensions, space. The, 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 liminal the liminal space, space. Yeah. where they went. You could take me back there with any other char- new characters, and I think mm-hmm. it's what happened to them in there. I'm like, no, go back in. Let's see what else happens. I want I want to know what <laughs> what's going on in that space. Uh, and and I'd be I think just equally as as invested. 
Um, and, and that's, that's cool, right? That's world building. That is, yeah. that is that world building that, that takes you from a, a mini series into a full on series that takes you into the, um, the, the split offs, the, the, yeah. and I think that's cool. I think that you've created something long lasting in that. Thank you. Thank you. That's certainly the goal. That's certainly the goal. And like, you know, the liminal space and all the possibilities of what we built here are certainly what's on the table as we're talking about where we go from here. Um, but you're right. You know, no matter how five ends for these characters and this world, you've the way you've established it, it can be infinite things. So, um, which is sort of the beauty of it. <laughs> yeah. I agree. And for me, you know, Jake, you know, I've been telling him to get onto it and, and I've actually been been talking about it for a couple months now and I, I really enjoyed it. I like the, um, yeah, like at the end of each issue, I'm like, man, I want to read more. I think I mentioned it on there and I think that I, I mentioned it in the same way if you go back to one of our episodes when I, because I think I, I, think I, I did it twice on recent pickups and it was like, you know, there's just enough there that's very interesting that I'm like, I have to read the next issue. I have to see where these characters go, what's in the that space, what happens after. I, you know, and just going back to what you said about the you know, the, the fan saying he thought it was an after four. I was like, there's no way it can be done after four. I, I would have, <laughs> I, I would have been upset about it. Me uh, too. <laughs> I mean, I was upset he thought it was over. I'm like, wait, you're not paying enough attention. Like, I appreciate that you like it, but you should be angry or reading more closely. <laughs> For sure. Um, but I, I did, you know, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier about the financial success of, of, of this, this series, right? Like, is that and and we've we've had conversations about this, you know, a lot. And, and I'm gonna probably say something that I'm sure you're aware of. Maybe you're not. It's not gonna be any fun. But there's there's LCS is here local to me, and I'm in Houston, which is a pretty big market that will not order books unless they're on a pull list, like especially yeah. independent books, and which sucks. Which sucks, right? Because part of it is like reading it and. Like I'll give you an example. Like number two, the, it wasn't you know, my local LCS. I had to go look for it, and yeah, it's like put on your pull list. Well, my pull list is so long. I, you know, I have to figure out which ones I can put on there, which ones I can, and then which ones I can find. And, and at the same time, I'm talking about like for FOC, right? Because I might get laid into a book or, or something, or somebody like, like right now we're we're good with the displays because it still hasn't come out yet. But if it's behind, then I have to go look for it. Yeah. Um, and they don't have it, so I I only ended up with the variant cover of number two. So I'm still looking for the, the cover A right. because I wanted to read it. So with the, the state of, of LCSs and how they are and, and how, like you said, there's so much stuff that's saturated and things of that nature. I, I guess when you put in, again, you, you're saying this is one of your first ones putting out this and, and uh, the Black Cloak book. Um, is there like a, a, and you don't have to speak be specific on it, but like, is there benchmarks that you're thinking about or maybe that image puts out or tells you about, or is just something you, you know, or internal? I mean, I think there's a lot of crosstalk among creators about how well this book did or this book didn't do, or like how tough the market was this year. I mean, it used to be that I would hear these stories of, you know, 
come to the new worlds, a land of plenty, like, you know, you can make more on your royalties for a good image book than you'll make for a whole run of a miniseries you do at Marvel. So like, come over here. And that's just not the lay of the ground, right? That's not the reality right now, whether it's because of COVID or because of oversaturation or any number of things. I mean, all the printing costs and shipping costs went up over Mm -hmm. as a result of COVID. They moved, everyone's moved distributors, you know, like we took a huge hit on our, on what I got paid and what Mattia got paid on our royalties for, I think it was our issue too because it like happened to come at a time when they switched distributors so you know it's like a lot of little things that you're not in control of and that you maybe don't even know about it it's uh you know the sausage being made is messy and there's a lot of factors um i think it for the coal and for black cloak I was given a great gift in that those are basically funded by the Substack. I was given one of those grants where they like pre-fund. And so I could not only build these books, I could pay people what they deserve to get paid. I could pay to put variant covers on. I could do all this stuff. But the hope when you're doing that is that you're going to meet some basic benchmarks. And between the time I started doing these books and they came out, I mean, the market was really soft for, for creator owned image series. So, you know, we did okay. We, I mean, we were good sellers, like among our group each month, we were good, but not enough to be like, oh, let's bank that money and fund another five issues. Not like that. You know, not like, hey, take this and buy a new car with your royalties. And then (laughs) maybe we've got some room to do some more or whatever, you know, it just, so I think it's, you know, it's a lot of different things. I think the state of things from one year to another can really change. I mean, you know, when Kelly Sudakonic was first urging me to do some creator own, like she was really killing it on image, you know, like pretty deadly and bitch planet and stuff like that. Like they were having real heyday, but that's not an evidence now Hmm. to me. Um, You can still get breakouts. Like I think Charles Sewell's uh, 8 billion genies certainly Mm -hmm. broke out. And then also, you know, you get option talk right away with something like that because it's a big sort of high concept idea. Very, very appealing, you know? Um, So I think it's a lot of things. I mean, the coal got completely screwed. Like to me, the coal is probably the most optionable thing I've ever done. And, you know, we hit right in the middle of the writer's, the writer's strike was finally dying out, but then still the, the actor strike was going on, which put everything on a hold. And then everything that wasn't on hold has been slowed down. So, you know, there's like a glut of material sort of sitting in there. So, you know, you never know. It's luck. A lot of it is luck. That's why, that's why in any business like this, they tell you to like really hone your craft and be ready. And it's because when that opening opens up, you got to be ready to shove your foot through or your script or whatever it is, you know, and there's a lot of hurry up and wait in this business. And, uh, you know, in, in an ideal world as the writer, they're never waiting on you because yes, you have to create the thing from scratch. You have to make something out of nothing. But if you can do that, your job is less time consuming than almost everyone else's, you know? So, um, being on time, which is a hilarious thing to me to say, uh, because I can't even write an email without apologizing these days um, first, because something is late or not what we discussed. So, you know, but the business is tough. It like it, they call it. Um, I didn't really understand it when I first got to Marvel. 
they someone said I think it was probably Nick Spencer. I think it was because I he was only writing Amazing Spider-Man at the time, and I may not have realized it was a every a, a twice a month book at the time that I asked him this. But I was like, "Are you really only doing Spider-Man?" And he looked at me <laughs> and he goes, "Don't worry, the churn will get you too." And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "The churn," and you know, it's just a term they use that's like where you do too many books and they ask too much of you and it burns you out and burns you up. And yep, the churn got me too. It gets everyone. Sure. You know, that. it's funny. It's funny because Philip Kennedy Johnson basically described that without calling it the churn when he had to give up. <laughs> yeah, alien. He did. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, on uh, on this. So, uh, Kelly, just a uh, brief description Every, for recent pickups. We always give out tater tots uh, one at one through five. <laughs> Uh, for basically five being, you know, the top, you know, uh, one, obviously not, not as great. Uh, but all, ta- all tots are good. All tater tots are good. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's go through. Hey Zeus. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, it's Spider-Man ultimate Spider-Man. Hey, highly recommended book. Uh, totally respectable. Um, but, but in terms of overall, like the, if I look at the scope of the type of things you've brought in the past, Hey Zeus, I got to say, this is probably like a two and a half tots week for you. Wow. Uh, two two and a half. Hey, you're halfway to five, but so it's, when we get, when we get Hickman on, when we get Hickman (laughs) on Jake, just you're going to eat those words. Oh, Hey, uh, understood. Understood. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, Kelly, Huge fan of your your recent pickup. Slightly unfair that you have the unfair advantage of getting to read it early, uh, and we do not, uh, and the readers. But <laughs> but it is helpful to us and our readers, the recommendation. So because uh, it's slightly unfair you got to read it before us, but that you you did still bring a very <laughs> solid re- uh, recommendation, I'm going with uh, with a really respectable three and a half tots here. Three and a half. I I just want to say there are very few perks in this business. I have to use the very few that I get. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm not (laughs) holding it against you. I'm simply saying that. It's 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 one slight. If there's a knock there, if there's a knock, it's that that uh, so you're, you are holding against me. No, and listen, I don't. Of a knock. I personally <laughs> don't get to decide how the tots are distributed. I'm just reading off of my list <laughs> oh. here that I was handed. Oh, I see now. I see a rejiggering of the rules. Uh, yeah, some goalposts moving, perhaps. Yeah, I'm glad somebody <laughs> else sees it now too, Kelly. I, you know, everybody seems to think I'm making these decisions here, but. Uh, it is being made by a very independent third party, uh, but that does bring me to that. That does bring me. Yeah, uh, it, it brings me to to uh, the final uh, tally here. Uh, mine, uh, the cull. Do the um, right thing. Super, super, super. Very popular series, and and also uh, bringing up a book that was written by one of the guests on the show. Uh, it is it is impossible to say anything you know negative about this particular book, uh, and so it's a it's a solid four and a half tots is what it comes in as. So I've changed I've changed my mind. I approve of the tot system now. <laughs> oh no, he got to you too. Dang it. 
So it, it happens like, every time. I'm not above being bribed, especially if it's in the form of tater tot. It is. It is oh, with a humble man. heart that I say that I have for the I believe ninety ninety ninth ninety eighth maybe uh, time I have won the the uh, recent pickup tots uh, competition. <laughs> So, uh, uh, now- wow, what a streak, Jake. What a streak. <laughs> These are rough conditions, Jesus, but um, yeah. now that I know my score on the tots, I, I can't take up your cause. I'm sorry. You can't, you can't it's really, immediate you can't argue the system. Yeah, no, the system fine. is flawless. It's, fine. it's very, <laughs> uh, but coming to the end of the first segment, really, it's exciting because that does bring us to the next segment. Grail tail. Grail tail. Grail tail. That's right. The Grail Tale segment. And this is one that we, everybody loves this segment. Uh, but the best part about this segment is that we get to learn a little bit more about our guest. And Jesus and I get to sit back, have a drink, you know, just, well, Kelly, we're going to let you take it from here. Uh, so, you know, with, with that said, Kelly, the mic is yours. I'll, I'll do my best. As I said before, I don't really have the coin for this kind of thing. Um, and I don't like setting my sights on much. Like I just like to have a house and a car would be nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think really high on the list would be anything. And especially the cover perhaps of from Jim Lee uh, uncanny X-Men 269. Oh, it's like a very formative comic for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I'll never see those pages. Like, I, I mean, they've got to be a fortune. I mean, it's Jim Lee at like what I would describe as no offense, Jim Lee, like peak Jim Lee superhero art at that time where it was like right before he became so famous on the X-Men and like his style, I think like tightened up a little bit. And I'm sure for most people, they really preferred that because it was even slicker and sharper. But like for me, there's like a little bit of looseness in that uncanny X-Men 269. That's just my absolute favorite Jim Lee stuff. Um, but you know, it's also full of like rogue in a savage land torn up bikini. So, you know, you know, those pages went long time ago. Oh yeah. Uh, I have, I, I have no hope of, uh, really getting those. Um, what else would be really top of top of the wish list? I mean, maybe some love and rockets, Jaime Hernandez stuff. Um, now, Kelly, is there anything like that you you own currently or personally that that is um, sort of like it, it? God forbid, but let's say you know natural disasters happening or something's happening where you're running out of the house, running out of the home, uh, and you got to grab you get you get to take one collectible with you before before everything caves in or whatever it might be. And and your cats, every everybody's safe, right? Everybody's safe, but you get to take everybody's one everybody's safe yeah. and is. And and I already took the Eisner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do yeah. Like well, uh, you got to wave that in. It. Yeah, that uh, that's definitely good. Uh, I love it. I love it. It makes me very happy. It makes me feel like I haven't been wasting my life. I know it's just stupid. <laughs> no, it's it not stupid at all. But is it? It helps sometimes when your car is 15 years old. You're like, see? You just look at that. Yeah. Just mount it on the hood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the car could take it at this point. Um, yeah. All right. So that's really hard because most of the stuff that I have is really great stuff that artists have given me from our runs as opposed to stuff that I've gone out. And so it's hard to single that out um, as stuff I've 
bought a few things, but they're almost never, ever again, I really haven't had the scratch for originals. So sometimes I'll get prints of things that I really like. I have some gorgeous prints from Becky Cloonan from her um, Providence stories that she did, her creator-owned stuff. It's really beautiful. Um, ben Caldwell, I've bought and he's given me some stuff from our A-Force run and from his sketchbook. I'm a big fan. Um, Jan Balduza gave me some stuff from Mr. and Mrs. X. Hooray Perez gave me some stuff from Rogan Gambit. So yeah, I mean, I'd go for that. I've got, framing is so expensive that I haven't really framed much of it, but so I guess that'll make it easy to grab in the fire because it's like all in a similar portfolio, you know? <laughs> Just grab that and go. <laughs> well, yeah. And even Sergio gave me some stuff from Captain Marvel with binary and stuff. So That's like, cool. All that stuff is not only beautiful and cool, but like has an emotional component to me that helps. 100%. So yeah, that's the kind of stuff. Those That absolutely counts as grails. And and, and obviously the, the personal <laughs> connection to it uh, makes a lot of sense why you would want to grab those. And, and Jesus and I... Uh, each, I mean, we've talked in the past. It's like, I, I have a, you know, a, a, you know, a comic that is a grail of mine. It's, it's one of my most valued comic possessions, but it's not original art. It's a, it's just an old, uh, famous funnies, uh, with one of my favorite Frazetta covers of all time. And it's like that book just, oh, cool. uh, yeah. And it, it took me a while to get it. Cause you know, again, they're, they're yeah. not, they're not necessarily cheap. And, and even if it's the worst yeah. condition, copy of that book that I, yeah, I've i ever seen and the covers detached and things like that. That copy is mine, yeah. right? That's mine. And yeah, that's, yeah. so I totally understand. Yeah. Uh, but I'm jealous that you have that original artwork. Um, to, to- <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of super important or cool um, issues, but I do have a run of stuff that is signed by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee, like first appearance of Gambit, and things like that from I went to one con when I was a uh, 17 years old or something and I got a bunch of stuff signed. That's amazing. And um Chris Chris, Chris Claremont was famously in my family, famously, uh famously extremely rude to my brother and I. <laughs> even though we very dutifully brought a seven sovereign the sovereign that that thing he made after he left X-Men that was not good, but that, you know, he desperately wanted to be good. I get it. I get it. You want something to be good when you leave X-Men, but it was not good. <laughs> and we brought it for him to sign anyway, because we respected and loved him. And we brought it along with our other X-Men comics. And honestly, he was a complete dick. Oh my <laughs> God. I was like a little <laughs> doe-eyed 17 year old full of hope and life. And here was this icon and he was, you know, and listen, sure it had nothing to do with anything i'm sure he had a bad day some pa didn't restock the green room there were lines at the bat i don't know i'm sure it had nothing to do with us but boy it was a great reminder right when you have something like that happen you're like you really if you're even if you're just really weird niche famous like comic book writers are you know you gotta you really gotta try your best have good interactions with people because they're maybe never gonna see you again and that's all they're gonna take away so it's important. Lasting impression. It's important. It was a good, yeah, it was a good experience to, to remind me of that. Ne- never meet your heroes. That's what, that's the phrase. No. 
Yeah, never meet you. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, so what I learned is that you just be dicks to people all the time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I forgive you, Chris Claremont. I'm sorry I told this story. I couldn't help myself. Um, I'm glad you apologized because he listens a lot. He's a weekly listener of the show. (laughs) (laughs) He, um, anyway, so I have a lot, I have a couple really cool X-Men type things that are signed by Jim and Chris. Claremont. Um, I think probably the the Gambit one, the first appearance of Gambit, that's probably the one that would like be the most expensive if you tried to sell mm-hmm. it. Um, but I, I don't know. I haven't really looked. Yeah, you could. I'm you not get, getting rid you of it. Some, yeah, you know, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's what, kind of what makes it a grail as well. But that's you can make some scratch off that. You you might. I don't know if you're you're not buying a car with it. Well, I mean, maybe a maybe yeah, like a, a small car. I uh, mean, wait. <laughs> if I can buy a car with it, I changed my mind. I'll I'll get rid of it. Someone get in touch. I need to buy a car. <laughs> oh, that that's awesome. Yeah, the, those original pieces of art that you have is also like. I mean, it's, to me, it's really cool. I, I think that's cool that they give you that or you're able to get that. I was going to ask how that works sometimes. Sometimes sometimes you buy it. Sometimes you offer to buy it. Sometimes when you offer to buy it, they say they'll just give it to you. And if you're me, you go, oh, no, please don't do that. But also you're really hoping <laughs> it will work out to at least get a discount because you don't have enough money. Um, so... Uh, it, it, I think everything is different. It depends on your relationship with the artist. It depends on the book. It depends. The biggest factor, unfortunately, these days is a lot of people just don't have it because they don't do, uh, they don't do, um, they, they, they do it digitally. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that was with Leo on Birds of Prey. I was like, my God, I've never wished more that you did pencils and inks so that I can <laughs> buy some of these because I'm just so in love with them. Um, so yeah yeah i mean uh, you know yeah th- that's that's the the great thing about the new stuff and also the bad thing that we don't get the original artwork of it yeah. um so one thing with the artwork too that that just one i, I looked up a page of, of that x-men 269 an interior page of that cover of that of that um book uh sold in 2020 for ninety five hundred dollars uh and it's an interior but it, it does have rogue on it uh so i think it's pretty cool um so yeah so just and those jim lee and scott williams it's just it's crazy it's going for crazy crazy amounts which yeah is, but then the other thing about that is um you know we had you know we we're fortunate enough to have eric larson on um about what is it now two years ago jake going on yeah and it going on two years and he mentioned that he trades some of his original artwork uh, with uh, or at, at sometimes with Robert Kirkman for um, Jack Kirby original artwork. So, and then also I think uh, Nick Pitaro told us that he trades artwork for yep. artwork. Yep. So there might be some trades possible there to get you uh, to your Rogue and your Jim Lee. You know, and I agree with you. Nineties X Men is peak to me. Yeah. Jim Lee, I mean, Jim Lee as well. So. I mean, that, that's a possibility there for to be able to get a hold of some of these original artworks from peak Jim Lee era. Uh, it does happen. So uh, now I'm going to be on the lookout for some of these too. Hopefully I can, I don't know, trade my way up like from a paperclip into a Jim Lee. Into a Jim yeah. Lee, uh, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Well, Kelly, thank you very much for sharing uh, the, the grail tales and, and, and just talking through some of those 
the books that kind of, I, I guess, maybe for lack of better verbiage, but the kind of the books and the things that define you, right? Like in the, the Claremont story, it's just those, the, the story itself of, of, you know, you meeting Claremont is, is kind of a grail of sorts, right? It's not, it's not the most, it, it's so memorable. It may not be the most positive thing, yeah. but, but you can't deny that that's still fun to talk about, right? Like, it's totally fun to talk about. I don't know that I've ever talked about it publicly before. Like I've shared it privately, like joking with other, you know, and like we had a Marvel Slack for a while. I, it's not called the Marvel <laughs> Slack anymore because it's, you know, there's a lot of different writers, not just Marvel people in it, but you know, I'm sure I've like talked about it and joked in there or whatever, but um, it is valuable to me. It's valuable to me as a multi-level experience, but the most thing I took away from it was that, you know, you might only get one shot. Yeah. Oh, so I think that's great. I, make it count. And, and, and it's, like, it's a fun lesson to, you know, yeah. to have learned it while meeting Claremont. And I can't say that I've <laughs> met, I, I haven't met a lot of like my heroes, I guess, in some ways, like uh, we've been incredibly lucky to have spoken to some amazing creators and people that are like, like Mark Wade or, or just, or even, yeah. you know, modern writers that I, that I admire so much like W Maxwell Prince. Uh, but we've never had a negative experience. I guess that's, you know, they're not coming on if they're, they're, if they don't want to talk to us kind of thing. So that's, <laughs> you know, you'd think so, but I did have one negative experience when I was podcasting. Um, I don't, I don't know that he meant it to be negative, but definitely the worst, least worst interview slash least friendly interview we ever did on the three chicks review comics podcast was, um, Nathan Edmondson. Hmm. He was like in his car Oh, and he was, I don't know. He was very prickly. I don't know. I, I sometimes wondered if like, did he not realize what he said yes to? And then when he, I mean, cause we weren't like a gotcha podcast or anything, but we were a bunch of women talking a lot about women in comics and women's roles in comics and stuff. So like, I don't know, it was, he, his behavior was strange, but like maybe it was just a bad connection and whatever, you don't know, you know, as a interviewer, you're like, I feel like we fucked that interview up because he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't seem to love it, you know, whatever. But like, it wasn't like people didn't like it, you know, they, um, I, I think maybe they just, maybe they're just like, he's just like that. So it was a normal interview. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Jesus and I walk into every, every conversation that way where it's just like, you know, this may not always go the way that we thought, but, but that's just that. And we've got a certain sense of humor. I, I know that there's been a couple of times I've opened the show and I'll say something stupid about something squishy in my shoe or just ridiculous stuff. Uh, and you like, sometimes I like to do it just to see the person's face. Like, okay, are they interested in this level of comedy? Or are they not on board? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is, it's a risk any time because you don't know this person when you ask them to come on. But I guess I just felt most of the time, A, they want to come in good faith because they want to have a good conversation and why come into it in a negative way, right? And like also they're there to promote themselves as much as for you to create new content for your cast that promotes you. So everyone's there with the same thing in mind, but you know, I don't know. It's just not everyone is uh, 
super fun or not everyone likes me a lot. Maybe it's that, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a salted taste thing. And there is a lot to the chemistry of that, you know? And I feel like you can often know like right away on a podcast, like, Oh, well, this is going to be really fun and probably we're going to go too long and you know, whatever. And then there's the one where you're like, yeah, I hope this is done in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, but you still give it your all man. Yeah. I mean, again, it's your only chance for some people. Like what if someone listened to that Nathan Edmondson interview and thought he was a jerk and then was like, well, I'm not going to read those books. Like, you know, you turn those people away, but you can only be yourself. So, you know, and, and we, we so, appreciate so. you coming on. That's it, exactly. And, and it, it's, there are just those situations where you walk into a random interview and then you find out the person you're interviewing doesn't like the the it part one and part two. And then you, it, like you find out <laughs> early and you just have to work through those kind of differences uh, throughout the, the show and you just got to get through it. pieces of it, number one and number two. <laughs> oh my God. I told you, I'd only mention it one or two more times. So now at, at most you have one more mention and don't worry about it. Uh, jokes works in, in threes though. So, uh, that's true. That is true. I guess I'm doomed. Uh, no, actually I think that is the third mention of it. So we might be good. Uh, all right. Well, but thank you. Thank you very much for sharing it. It, it really is, uh, incredibly appreciated. Uh, we have a lot of fun when we do the grail tales and, and that's the best part of it is just really to learn a little bit more about an individual, um, and, and as a creator, Right. I think it shows a lot about you. So thank you for sharing. Thanks. So from here, Kelly, uh, we've got one more segment left. Uh, I've got one more button left to press. uh, So there is nothing for it. I just have to do it. Speculation. The speculation segment. Some we, you know, it's a little bit, the music is a little creepy. Things are a little creepy when we do, we do that on purpose because I like all well, thank you very much. You're very good. Uh, well, we, you know, we we took some time to craft them and and how we wanted them, and and we made the speculation one a little bit on the creepy side because to some people speculation is scary. To some people, it's voodoo. To you know, it's it's uh, something they don't want to talk about. Uh, but we we have everybody who comes on the show give us uh, a, a comic book speculation uh, where we're going to talk about a book that some for some people it's just, hey, this is a really underrated book that more people should pay attention to. But for some, it's like, hey, this very specific issue is one that we think you should be paying attention to as it has it has legs that that could keep walking here. And that value might go up where you can eventually sell the book to buy a car. Right. And, and so those are the conversations. Hey, Zeus, once again, you traditionally kick us off. So I am going to let you uh, take the reins. All right. Um, I have two. Uh, they're based on the same thing. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about them because they basically hit a lot of our, our, our check marks, our boxes. Right. So a first appearance in a comic. Right. That's one. And then low uh, number of copies ordered. Okay. So now you have yeah. a, a two, right? So I'm talking about none other than the first appearance of Jeff the Landshark, the pet of Gwenpool. <laughs> West Coast Avengers number seven from 2019, which is a really cool cover on it as well. And it's also the return of Marvel Boy. Um, copies ordered by retailers 14,439. 
Wow. So under 15K yeah. out there. So for, for a new, I mean, so pre- pretty cars. terrible if you're trying yeah. to do an ongoing. Pretty great if you want a high dollar issue. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it, it's it's a bittersweet, I guess, or I don't know what the, the term is, but the definite term is scarce. Uh, yes, I am saying a scarce. Scarce. Uh, not a lot of, out there. We haven't had a scarce um, uh, so mention in a while. That's that's a. Yes, we have not. That's why I wanted to bring this up. So <laughs> yes, and then the second one also has to do with Jeff the Land Shark, Superior Spider-Man number seven. It's the first cover appearance of Jeff the Land Shark. Now that one. Um, so okay, going back real quick to West Coast Avengers. On the high side, you're looking at about a thirty-five, forty-dollar book raw, in your main condition. Um, this one, the Superior Spider-Man number seven, which is the first uh, cover appearance. I mean, it's a $3 book. You can probably find it in the back bins, um, but it's the first cover appearance. So those are the two uh, books that you want for Jeff the Landshark. And I definitely think Jeff the Landshark has legs and he does have legs. So, <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey, I I like it. I think this is great. I think that's good. Um Hey Zeus, I I, I got to tell you, man, it, had you brought this level of, um, uh, you know, just uh, quality to your recent pickups, I think you might have got more top. <laughs> <laughs> you got to you got to get yeah. out, hey Zeus. This is a setup. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, ninety nine ninety nine times he's tried to break me, but I will not. Well, it, it was worth a shot anyway. Uh, Kelly, Kelly, you are up next on the, uh, but Jesus, great job. I really like it. Uh, and I, I can also absolutely recommend it to everybody else uh, as well. Um, Kelly, in this case, uh, you're up next. What What do you have for us? So I'm not very good at this, but I'm going to try my best. Sure. Um, so Birds of Prey. I guess this is straight from the horse's mouth. So issue six that comes out next month could be a key issue because of a character reveal debut kind of a vibe thing. Yeah. Um, But I also think uh, issue three is the first appearance on screen of on panel of Megara that character and that character will be reappearing. So I don't know how big she'll become. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know, but could be. Um, and then this is for the cull. This is, I talked a little bit about this. So for both black cloak and the cull, if they ever become more popular or get optioned or something, they both have, something called founders variants that are numbered and signed by either me or the artist. There's only 300 of them. So very low on that. Look at it. I want to know what the founder is. Cause I've been on this since the beginning. I, I consider myself a founder and you use the word <laughs> I did it. Just- <laughs> so it's the uh, people who backed the Substack at the founding uh, level. They got a lot of print stuff. 
including these rare copies. But then, we know, we had to get a certain amount because we needed to be able to give them these copies and then also have some to sell in our shops or whatever. So we ended up doing 300 for Black Cloak number one and 300 for uh, the Cole number one. So they're like um, clean dress, no numbering on the front. The Cole is by Mattia. The the founders for Black Cloak is by Meredith. So they're by the creators. And yeah, they're just incredibly rare because there's only 300 of them and they're signed by either me or the artist and they're numbered. So like you could get on black on the call it's numbers one through 100 are signed and numbered by me. And then you can get Mattia. He has numbers 101 through 200 like that. And then I did 201 through 300 or whatever. So it's broken up like that. And they are, they're incredibly rare. If the call ever gets options, like that will be the rarest call book there ever is. Um, also on that same tip, this was sort of an accident. We didn't mean this to happen, but it's created a rarity because of the connecting cover factor. So the call has B covers for issues two through five. It has B covers that are Tula Latte connecting variants. And the first issue also has a connecting variant, but it was an incentive cover. And because of that, and it was a high incentive, so it was ordered much less so while I feel like two through four of the Tula Latte covers are pretty pro, pro, present out there in the market, one is pretty rare. And if you wanted to connect them all, one is what you got to find is the problem child. So that's another little sort of thing that I don't think, I don't think the call issues are super valuable now, but down the line, it could be uh, if it gets optioned or something. And I think the Tula one is a particular, it's also just a beautiful cover. So, mm-hmm. you know, no harm there. <laughs> totally, yeah, totally agree. All that, right. That's the best. No, that's Yeah, yeah that's the Tula one. Yeah. I, yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, I, I mean, between uh, Birds of Prey and, and those, uh, and the uh, specifically the select uh, covers and, and copies of uh, the Cull, um, I, I, yeah, I, I think those are both very qualified. It's uh, to me, I always enjoy when people come on and they say, Oh, I don't know anything about this. And then bam, they drop down just <laughs> really good information and stuff uh, as if they're professionals, which you are. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess I meant that my information wasn't bad, but it's just, I don't have, because I'm not that into the speculator market, you know, I don't have that a lot of information about books that aren't mine, but for mine, yeah, I can give you a little bit of insight, like like that. That's a, that's about it. <laughs> hey, that's how you play no, the game. That's, that's how you, yeah. yeah. It's almost like insider trading when it comes from somebody who's who's writing it, right? Like there's, writing. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there was any significant money in it, I'm sure you'd be right, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For my picks, I don't think is significance there. Uh, you never know, and and I think that uh, I I think there's always when it comes to options and things like that. There's certainly no guarantees. I mean, there's there's plenty of books that become optioned but don't ever uh, come to fruition. Yeah. Um, which in in a yeah. lot of cases it's always like sad. Like I'm sad that uh, Ice Cream Man has yet to to be adapted. Yeah. Um, even though I yeah. know it was optioned, right? That kind of thing. There's also there's also just that really long timeline. Very I mean, very true. You know, 
like Scott Snyder's witches got adapted like right away when it came out and like, we're still waiting on, but like, it's still in development. I think, I think it's still a thing that's happening, but you know, especially when you get Hollywood shut down for multiple years Mm -hmm. for, well, strikes and pandemics and things, it really stretches out the tail on that a lot more. So Very, very true. Well, uh, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing that. Good work. Great job. Uh, I'm almost uh, saddened to follow it in this case uh, because <laughs> I don't have a four and a half tots level um, suggestion in this particular case. It, it's I'm, I'm grateful that we're not doing tots for this segment. Uh, the uh, I was gonna yeah, say the top god. I'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> yeah. because I thought we were doing tots, and I thought you just given Jesus this hope. Well, that's this little face. The, uh, the I think he thought he was giving four and a half tots. He was gonna win. The gods of tots no, don't no. give tots for the the uh, speculation segment. They never have, right? We've only ever the what a heartbreaker. Yeah, I, I I never get a note passed to me with tot ratings for anything but the recent pickup. <laughs> Uh, it always comes from yeah, my, my, le- my, my left, my left, your right, my left is where the note comes from. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so for, so my speculation, it's interesting. Um, you know, we've had a lot of snow days, uh, here I I'm in Nebraska. We've had a lot of snow. I think that every, the whole nation has had a lot of snow days. It seems like where, yeah, where I can't even, like, I can't even get out of my driveway, let alone drive to work or anything like that. So, so I work from home. Uh, and, uh, I'm doing quotations, air quotes, air quotes. <laughs> so I work from home. Uh, but I've recently, um, I have a 15 year old son. This is not necessarily news to some of the listeners. Uh, but one of the things that my, my son loves video games as a lot of 15 year olds do. And something funny happened over the last sort of week and a half is he w- was kind of getting into some of my old video games and he wanted to play them with me. And he was like, what's Bioshock? What's that? Let's play that. Uh, he's like, oh, I remember you playing Fallout uh, Fallout 4 a lot. Can, you, can we go back and replay that? And I'm like, well, listen, Fallout 4 is like 100 hours worth of time. Like, you want to play it? Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a point and we can talk about it. Uh, but him and I got into playing, um, actually playing Bioshock 2. Uh, but the reason I bring these up, as far as I know, I have been doing digging and digging and digging. There are currently no comic adaptations of these books or these stories. So Fallout or Bioshock. Now, both are optioned. Uh, Both are in uh, some level of production. Fallout is actually a show that's coming out on Amazon this spring. I believe it's supposed to drop in April. There's a, I think there's a teaser trailer for it out now. Uh, Bioshock. Just, yeah, the 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 trailer. It like it does exactly yeah. what it's supposed to. It teases you. Um, you watch it and you're just <laughs> like, wait, I need more. Uh, but Bioshock, <laughs> on the other hand, I keep hearing that it is in production or they're working on it. Uh, it's in de- it's some form of development. Uh, which I gotta say, f- I, before Bioshock, my favorite first person shooter, favorite game, really, w- had been Halo. Because Halo, I felt like, changed the game uh, in so many ways. Uh, but the moment I played... It, it literally, yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah, literally changed the game. Um, but the moment I played the first Bioshock game, I was um, I was just engulfed in the story. Right, I had never played a game that really made me immediately say, 
if this was a movie, I would pay a hundred dollars to buy a ticket. Like if this were a TV show, I would watch it. Like any anything. Like I just wanted more of the the world. The world building in in Bioshock was just amazing. So I go all this way. We're talking speculation. Uh, there have been the art of Bioshock and the art of Fallout. These have both been published by Dark Horse. Uh, surprisingly, Dark Horse did both of them, uh, even though they are not. Um, Bioshock and and um, Fallout are produced by different companies, I believe, uh, uh, or created by different companies. I'm not entirely certain. Um, I know um, Bioshock is like Bethesda, uh, I believe. Bethesda. Bethesda. Thanks, Jesus. Um Mm-hmm. But but in general, uh, it, I don't know if Dark Horse just really got into this like very popular video games. We're going to do like the art of very popular video games. Uh, so these I I would not say they count as first first you know comic or graphic novel or anything like that. But it is uh, a published story. You know, it's a it's a published art of these storylines uh and with especially fallout where you know this is you know that the show is coming if there is any any amount of success of this show like spinoffs i am still amazed like amazed that neither of these have a comic adaptation or spinoff or something uh, so I would say these two dark horse books kind of already like they, to me, they're like, oh, I could use these on my coffee table. Both of these, right? I love that. Uh, I, they're two of my favorite video games of all time. Uh, and I know that I'm not alone in this. So, uh, you know, from a speculation standpoint, I just know these are the type of books that maybe go out of print uh, and they just don't bring them back. Uh, these are the type of books mm-hmm. that people might say, you know, in, in a few years, they're like, well, they, it's, they don't print those anymore, right? It's like omnibuses, right? You, you, once they, they print them once and then they're, they're, they, you know, they go, they're in a flash or something. Uh, and then, and then you end up paying $150 for that damn book on eBay because it didn't <laughs> get published ever again. Uh, and, and I don't know that that's going to happen. I do know that, um, the, the recent development of seeing Fallout as a show, immediately made my brain say, I should be Googling this. Is it out there? Um, and not just from a speculation standpoint, but just from a, uh, a collector and, and, you know, visual lover of these stories. Uh, I, I, I feel like I want to own those books and I, I don't think I'm going to be alone. And I don't think Dark Horse printed a ton. I doubt they printed a ton of these things, probably not 15,000. So they might be pretty scarce, right? So, (laughs) so anyway, that's, that's what I got. Well, the creator of, of Bioshock is Ken Levine, um, and he is a is a comic book guy. He, he's one of us. So I, I'm a comic us, book guy. One of us. Uh, <laughs> that, that bodes well. Yeah, but yeah. so even more shocking that we haven't seen an adaptation of any kind. So, but yeah, yeah, I think there's some there's some. If you guys want to Google it, there's some stuff out there as to why he doesn't want to do that. Um, I don't think it's like super common knowledge or anything like that, but there's, I think there's some specific reasons why he doesn't want it adapted, hmm. which is fine, I guess, but it would really, it would be really cool to get more into that world. Cause that's such a cool and unique world, right? Very much so. So that's, that, that's what I got. It's I, so it's, um, sort of quasi speculation, but also just kind of keep your, keep your, what is it? Keep your eye to the grindstone. You got to put your eyes somewhere. Uh, to exactly to watch out for uh, said um, 
books as as they might be um you know or or if some adaptation does sneak out right you gotta you gotta watch out for it anyway uh yeah some of those have hit really huge those when they bring those games over or where they combine character marvel characters with a game or whatever like some mm-hmm. of those have done really well i often have a lot of trouble with those um if it's already a show that I love, I have trouble with the comics sometimes. And I think it's just because of the visual, you know, it's like I, that actor is now that character for me. And the, the, the move over can be difficult. Um, but reading it pre casting that, that might work for me. Like if I was into a book and then later found the show that doing it, that direction would probably work. Okay. For me. I've been hesitant to pick up the expanse, oh. even though I really love the show. And that's a comic that I'm sure is very good. I don't know. I'll probably never know because <laughs> it's just too hard for me. I like, I need those actors. Like if we can somehow trap them inside the comic pages and make them act it out, maybe I would accept it. But you know, <laughs> short of that, I can't, I can't get it. I can't get there. I, I, I completely understand. Uh, I know that that can be, uh, difficult for a lot of people. And, and, and in some ways it was, um, I, I, I still have a problem where it's like, I read the game of Thrones books or the, the yeah. and the thing was, is I had already committed to a look for those characters in my head yeah. <laughs> that when they don't translate that you still, there. you know what really Kelly, there's no winning. It's more just uh, yeah. what you are willing to accept uh, when it, yeah. <laughs> for when it comes to yeah. adaptations in that way. Um, and, and, you know, there's, that's not to say that some people don't hit it out of the park. Uh, of course that happens all the time as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm notably fussy on this point. I, I realized the first time I actually really noticed it wasn't with comics. It was with video games and it was some video game that I really don't really play video games as much as possible. I got a couple things on my mobile that like snap and stuff that I'll play, but even that I really shouldn't do because I have no self-control, but <laughs> Uh, so I don't play video games cause I'm trying to be a writer and it's hard to do both of those things at the same time. But I, one of the first times I noticed it was like a real disconnect for me that other people didn't seem to have the same way was a highly realistic Marvel game. And they had a Thor and listen, it looked incredible. He looked incredible, but like, it wasn't Chris Hemsworth. It didn't look like Chris Hemsworth. It didn't sound like Chris Hemsworth. It wasn't my Thor. Like I, you know, I've come to, I've embraced that. It's, it's locked in now, you know? So for good or ill, um, for me, once you've cast people in these things, if they've nailed it, I, it's locked in. (laughs) So now that's what I need, you know, and it's tricky and it's a little bit of a, um, I mean, fortunately for, for Marvel and DC and Disney and every, every big fucking company, not everyone feels the same way I do, or they'd be in trouble, but (laughs) yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. I have to like consciously get over. Um, and sometimes I can't make the leap. So. uh, That's tough. That's tough because it'd be Vincent D'Onofrio as Thor for me from the. Oh yeah. Adventures in babysitting. Adventures in Babysitting. That's the first time I saw Thor. On- <laughs> hey, him, him, and no, uh, honestly, he was an amazing Thor. Like it was good. Yeah. <laughs> You're not used to seeing him with the gold locks, but yeah, that that uh, that happened. You know, it did happen. <laughs> the funny thing is, he also kingpin in your head because double yeah. is 
right? Well, it, it, you know, the, yeah. Well, without it, it the really wig, it, yeah, because, it doesn't count. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> Put a wig on him, he's Thor again. So. <laughs> All right. That does bring us to the end of the speculation segment. And also, it kind of brings us towards the end of this episode. I mean, all we really have to do is sort of wrap this up. But Kelly, I, I want you to know this might actually be the longest because because everything that we I'm I'm gonna say it, everything we've talked about is absolute gold. Uh, as the as the individual who who generally edits this thing, uh, you know, I'm always like marking down notes on like, all right, we can cut that conversation. What Jesus said there wasn't important. We can cut that. Uh, and <laughs> but but really, this was all gold. This may end up being the longest, uh, most successful episode of Spectales ever. Uh, and so I, you know, the, what I said at the beginning of the episode, I, I, you know, I heard through the grapevine that this was going to be a great episode. Um, it, it really didn't disappoint. I mean, if we can beat the shit out of the numbers for episode 100, I'd be delighted. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't even know if we need to do episode 100. Happy 100 anniversary. Uh, but truly, I had a great time. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure, Kelly. Thank you so much. Uh, anytime. We can, uh, it, you know, all, all your books. I mean, obviously, we're, you're you've been on our poll list uh, already, but we are going to continue to put those on, on our list and and help uh, promote those books as well. Uh, but anytime we can do you a favor to repay you for uh, the massive amount of time you've spent with us, uh, we asked you for an hour, and somehow you've given us damn near two. So thank you uh, so much. It's, it's called not being able to shut up. It's a- <laughs> Trade secrets. I'm very good at it. Hey, Zeus has the and, same problem, uh, really. Yeah. My beard <laughs> just invite going. me. Just invite me back when I have something cool to talk about that you something you guys are interested in. Invite me back. I'd love to come. Always. Yeah. It was awesome. it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, I I I usually end by by trying to, you know, suggest people go out. You're you're very visible on all of your social medias. Uh, but something you've brought up that we haven't na- actually have actually name dropped uh is the 1979 semi-finalist substack uh um can yes. you real briefly just p- pitch a, pitch a substack why would this be the best place for people to go follow you well the, honestly the best reason is because it's hard with all the social media falling apart so this is a place you know i'm gonna be and even if I choose to lose, use, leave Substack at any point, I can just import that list and take you guys with me wherever we decide to go. And then you can unsubscribe if you don't like it there or keep subscribing. So it's really the best way. It's something I've more, got more control over than Twitter and Blue Sky and Instagram and every other little thing that keeps becoming very difficult to keep track of people on. So it's a great way. If you want to keep track of me and what I'm doing, it's a great way to just stay in touch. There's a free newsletter. You don't have to pay any money. I would say that for most people, I don't post enough. If you're concerned that there will be too many newsletters, mostly it's I'm busy. And so there aren't too many, but it's a way to keep track of what I'm doing. We do some process posts. I've sometimes interviewed other collaborators of mine. Um, If you're a paid subscriber, you can get access to new comics like Black Cloak and the Cole and some other things we've done. It's really great. It's really great. I think especially in this age of social media sort of Becoming very difficult and troublesome for a lot of us, it's a good way to make sure you're staying in touch with creators you care about or books you're interested in. And there's a lot of really 
great people also over there that you'll find if you follow me. Matt Rosenberg has an incredible Substack. Hickman, who we talked about here, has a really interesting one that he's pulled other people into too. Incredible artists like Mike Del Mundo and um, I think uh, Chip Zdarsky has got one of the best Substacks I've ever read. That dude. I mean, can that dude not be funny? Like, I would like to challenge him. I'd like to be like, okay, every one hour that you're not funny, you know, you can win a hundred dollars. Like, I think he would lose. I think he would lose immediately. I think I would make out with all his money. It's like a reverse he's square jar for funniest, him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's one of the few funniest human beings I've ever met. He's also terrific. So. Um, so yeah, there's lots of good people over there. Uh, Ed Brisson doesn't have a paid one, but he's got a free one. If you wanted to learn more about the displaced, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of stuff about that on his Substack. Teeny Howard's over there, uh, Torin Grumbach, Jason Aaron, like, you know, they've all got these great newsletters. So it's a, listen, it's a very rich time. If you're interested in creators and how they do their stuff, there's a lot of them talking about it and sharing their stuff. It's a great place. It's great. I mean, Substack itself has some problems and we'll see what happens there, but there are great people doing great things on that mode of dissemination right now. So we'll see. Well, I do appreciate the conversations you do bring to Substack uh, and, and noticing that there's, um, you know, there are things that I'm not sure if they're, I, I don't think like what you posted in December on Substack uh, which was I'm I can only imagine after having just read through uh, the first four issues. I believe you put a, a panel from issue five of the Cull on here, uh, oh, and, yeah. and and that was the you know that was a fun like oh yeah like I'm, I I knew I was excited about it before, <laughs> but this just this one page right it's not it's the the page yeah. of panels. Uh, I you know it was a way to celebrate the holiday season, which was great. Uh, <laughs> With yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, I sent it to the right guy. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It was right up our alley. So, uh, I, I, I do appreciate the, you know, the conversation there, and and you're totally right. Like, you don't inundate people with things, but the the best part is, is for people who really want that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, there are creators out there that are that are doing that, right? They're doing it. Yeah, daily. absolutely. I'd say, especially for people who like process stuff, Substack is a great way. Because um, I've I've done I've done a couple really cool posts, but I haven't done it regularly. But like we've talked about Deluca effect on my page, and like I've I've put scripts up there. I mean BKV. I can't believe I didn't make I didn't mention Brian K. Vaughn. He's got a terrific Substack that they're doing a huge issue or they're doing a huge book where they're doing like two panels two pages a week kind of thing but like he also does stuff like he gave us all a pilot script to download if we wanted to look at that and stuff so there's all kinds of cool stuff a lot of it for free so if you're into that kind of thing it's like there's never been a better time to like try to learn about how to do this and and figure it out so Everybody, go follow her Substack, 1979 semi-finalist. Uh, it is very well worth it. And of course, if you have not read any of Kelly's books that we've talked about here, uh, we highly recommend them uh, from the superhero, from Capes, all the way to the horror uh, and and sci-fi. There's a lot of stuff we even talked about. There's Star Wars, which uh, we only briefly touched on that, which was uh, shameful of us. So much good writing. <laughs> Kelly, It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much, guys. Take care. 
All right, everybody. Thanks uh, for tuning in this week. You know, we are going to be back next week as we continue season three of Spectales uh, and next week being uh, the 100th episode where Jesus and I keep telling each other it's going to be something special, but we haven't decided what it's going to be yet. So that'll be fun <laughs> to decide. Uh, and we'll let you all know as soon as we figure it out, most likely next week. Uh, <laughs> until then, thanks again, everybody. Have a good week. Bye.